Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Good evening. My whole um, goal tonight is not to bash technology, is not to make anyone in here feel guilty for the way that you use technology. I want to say that up front because we're going to dig into a couple things here that might be like, oh, I do that. Oh, I probably shouldn't be doing that. And I want to say that right away because, one, I don't know how anyone in here uses technology in their home, but I want to give you tonight to equip you with some tools, some ideas, some resources, and just some general thoughts on technology in our home. I've kind of divided this first session up into four kind of small parts. I'm going to give you a little bit of an introduction. We're going to cover the purpose and some balance of technology in the home, talk about family time a little bit, and then some tips, tricks, and reminders when it comes to technology. I absolutely love technology. On me right now, I have seven, six, six pieces of technology, if you include my iPad I'm holding right here. I have a smart ring. I have a smart watch. I have my my phone in this pocket. I have another phone in this pocket. I have technology. I absolutely love it. So in no way is this going to be don't use technology, don't worry about technology kind of thing. That, that's, not, that's not my heart behind this. I absolutely love it, but it's very dangerous if it's not used correctly. And I, like Pastor Thompson and Pastor Ryan and Mr. Cypress and many others, have seen lives completely ruined and destroyed by the way that technology has been used. And especially in today's day and age, it can be very, very dangerous to people who don't even want it to be dangerous. They're handed an iPad or they're handed a cell phone and, and they just happen to come across something that changes their lives forever. And my goal today is to help give you some tips and some tricks. Originally, I was just going to keep it along the lines of technology and kids, but as I developed it, I started thinking about myself and about, and about my parents and about people that I grew up with. And it's more of just technology in the home. And that's whether you have kids, whether you don't have kids, you'll see a lot of stuff ties in with children. But these things that we're going to talk about tonight, I think, are just in the home in general and how we should use uh, technology as a whole. So let's jump in. We're going to start off with, a, with three small introduction points tonight. The first one is if you are married, you and your spouse must be on the same page must be on the same page. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And this could be a whole marriage counseling session. Now, I am not a marriage counselor. I'm a children's pastor and an IT guy. That is not what I do, okay? So I'm not going to have a whole marriage counseling session here right now, all right? Um, But that can be a whole marriage session right there. You and your wife, or you and your spouse, you and your husband must be on the same page. For our home, and you're going to hear me reference my home a lot because, well, that's what I know. That's me, Gwen, uh, Mary, and Kurt. If Mary and I did not agree on the same uses of technology in our home, for example, we don't do this, but if we said Gwen could not look at a TV for more than 30 minutes a day, if she did more than that, then she's grounded or she's stuck in her room or playing with books and toys, and I come home and I I strictly enforce that and I do it every single time, but when I'm not home, Mary's just letting Gwen sit in front of a TV all day, watching, Mary doesn't do that, okay, but Mary's just sitting there and letting Gwen watch whatever she wants to all day long. There's no balance there. Gwen's going to have no idea 
how the home is supposed to work there with technology. So as you incorporate rules and as you think tonight about some of these tips and tricks, before we even get to any of it, you and your spouse have to come to an agreement on them. It's not, I'm going to write down my notes, and my spouse is going to write down their notes, and uh, we're just going to do whatever we want to do when we get home, and hopefully that it works. No, this is something that you're probably going to want to sit down and talk about. So make sure you and your spouse are on the same page. Secondly, parent guilt is real. Parent guilt is real. What I mean by that, we want to give our kids and those in our family the best things they can possibly have. We want to give them their wants and their desires. So when we see one of their friends with a, with a shiny new iPhone or with an iPad or with an Apple Watch, of course, in our heart of hearts, we want to give that to them. We want to be able to give them whatever they want. And when we don't or when we can't, there's that shame that we feel, or, or maybe we've, we've let them spend too much time on an iPad in the past, or they've come across something they shouldn't have, and we feel guilty because of that. Parent guilt's a real thing. Newsflash for you, there's no perfect parent. And that's something that I have found out very quickly having Gwen, all right? There's no such thing as a perfect parent. No matter how hard we try, we're, we're going to fail. And there's probably going to be some guilt with some of our failures. So there's no such thing as a, per, as a perfect parent. Parent guilt, guilt starts when our kids are young, whether it's TV shows we let them watch or don't let them watch. Maybe it's giving them an iPad or giving them something to watch on or not. And sadly, it doesn't go away when they become teenagers. It becomes involved with social media and then with cell phones. And it just keeps on growing and growing and growing. And we are so prone to look back at our past mistakes as parents and technology. And when we do that, it honestly, it makes it very hard for us to make good judgment calls in the future. When we're looking back at all of the things that we have messed up with in the past, or we're trying to fulfill every single need or want that our child, or especially every want that our child has, it leads us to making some, some pretty poor decisions. Good news is, that guilt does not have to consume you. There's unhealthy guilt and there's healthy guilt. So for example, healthy guilt, it won't let you put your little one at a table with nothing but chocolate cake and candy and tell them to enjoy their lunch. That would be healthy guilt. I don't want my child to have this terrible thing for lunch. Or another example of healthy guilt, won't let you climb a tree with a toddler and then push them out to see if they land on their feet. <laughs> healthy guilt, right? No matter how bad they may want to go up into the tree and jump out of the tree, you're not going to let them do it. Unhealthy guilt, it questions every single thing you do. Sometimes it even questions if you're breathing correctly. It's maddening, and in the tech discussion, unhealthy guilt can cause you to become pat stuck in past mistakes and hinder you from making wise judgments in the future. But take heart in knowing that God picked you to raise your children. I have that highlighted in my notes because that's a very important thing. It's that God picked you to raise your children. He didn't pick me. He didn't pick the pastors at this church. He picked you. And he wants you to decide how you are going to raise them, hopefully with biblical principles and seeking guidance and direction as you go. But when it all boils down to it, you are in charge of your family. And when it comes to technology, I'm not going to give an account for what you do with your kids in technology. It's all up to you. So tonight, as I give you tips and tricks, I want you to remember that, that it's up to you. I don't want to make these decisions for you. I'm not going to tell you how many hours you should let your kids or how many minutes you should let your kids on an iPad or a screen. That's not my job tonight. That's not what I'm going to do. That's up to you. You are the one raising your kids. He trusts you to raise them, and he knows that you won't be perfect at it, too. 
He knows you're going to make mistakes. He knows you're not going to be perfect when it comes to technology. So give yourself a little break and start trusting yourself more and start seeking counsel and, and, uh, and that parent guilt, it's, it is real though. All right. Number three, third big component before we jump into uh, anything else, the big part of an introduction here is uh, facts are your friends. Facts are your friends. Feelings are not your friends. When it comes to technology, feelings are not your friends whatsoever. Oh, it's just a couple extra minutes with unfiltered access to, what, to whatever they want to. It's all perfectly fine. They're good over there. Or if I just give them a little extra time on their own to do whatever they want, it's, it's all good. No, that's not a fact. That's a feeling. That's what you're feeling right now. Feelings are not our friends. Overwhelmed is a feeling. Guilt is a feeling. Peer pressure is a feeling. But acknowledging that there are good parts and that there are bad parts of technology, that's a fact. There are good parts and there are bad parts of technology. Technology is incredible. The fact that I could take my iPad right now in front of all of you right here and FaceTime my parents who live on the other side of the US, that's incredible. That's amazing. But there's also some terrible, terrible things that can happen on technology as well. Making decisions for your family should always involve facts, not feelings. When you are making technology decisions, whether it's time on a device, whether it's to give them a device or not to give them a device, or whether to let them have a TV in the room, whatever it might be, facts are your friends, not feelings. So in context of knowing our facts, sorting through options, talking with our spouses, shunning unhealthy guilt, we get to make decisions that work for our family during this season. These decisions won't last forever, though. The decisions you make tonight aren't going to last your entire life. It's not one of those decisions because they're going to change. Technology is going to change. Your kids are going to grow up. You're going to get different devices. Like it's, it's the way it's going to work. But it's important to keep the decisions as your child and you go through this stage of life. So when I searched the phrase kids and technology recently, I did it recently because I was at an event a while back that mentioned this. And the numbers changed dramatically. In 2019, when you, ter- when you searched kids and technology, 4.7 billion results came up. I did it the other day, and 5.8 billion search results came up. It's a pretty big topic, to say the less. And there's so many opinions out there, so many. It's ridiculous for ranging from give them everything to give them nothing, all right? Do whatever you want with technology to don't even have a cell phone or don't even have anything. Go back to pagers, like all of those things. It's all, part, it's all over the internet. Tonight, my goal is not to overwhelm you with facts and with stats. I have one or two of him here that I'm going to give you. That's not my goal at all. Um, I'm going, I, I don't want to overwhelm or bore you with those. We're going to keep it a bit lighter and hopefully encourage you to be even more intentional about technology in your home for both parents and our kids. All right, so let's jump into the purpose of technology. The purpose of technology. Technology serves a purpose. Now, it can serve a bunch of different purposes and it can do a bunch of different things. But when I thought of technology in the home, I narrowed it down to three main purposes that I think are good uses for technology. The first one is to connect, to learn, and to entertain. To connect, to learn, and to entertain. And there can be a time and a place for each. For example, connect. Connection is a wonderful tool for technology. Pick up a cell phone, make a phone call to anyone around the world. 
Mary can contact her brother who lives literally on the other side of the world and talk to him whenever she wants to. Incredible. Awesome. Uh, Gwen can talk to her grandparents even though they live miles and miles and miles away. You can pick up and talk to almost any family member you want. Right now if you wanted to. Hopefully you don't. But right now you could if you wanted to. Right in the middle of service. All right? It would be possible for you to do. But there's a time and a place for everything. And giving people, yourself included, or kids or teenagers, the ability to contact whoever they want, whenever they want, without you knowing who they're contacting, can be a very dangerous thing. So connection, good thing, good purpose. It's a good thing, but can also be a bad thing to learn. We've implemented here at the school over the past couple of years at NCS, a computer lab, Chromebooks, iPads, all kinds of awesome things to help students learn and to grow. But that technology, the same technology that's letting them grow, if we're not careful, it can destroy their lives. They can become addicted to it. They can come across things they should never come across, which is why it's very important. And it's why we have such a, we take such a strong um, stance on monitoring the technology that we have here at NCS, because we don't want that to happen. So learn, you can use them to learn and then to entertain. Entertainment's not a bad thing in and of itself, but too much or the wrong kind of entertainment is where it's wrong. So the purpose of technology, it's fine. You're perfectly fine to use it for entertainment. There's times when Mary and I just need a break from Gwen running around us 24-7 singing Dora the Explorer and Kirk over in the corner screaming his head off nonstop. There's times that we need a break from that. And it's never bad for us to say, Gwen, here's Dora. Watch Dora. Kirk, you're just going to keep crying right now. We can't do anything with Kirk right now, okay? But it happens every once in a while. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's when, Gwen, here's Dora the Explorer, we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> That's when the issue happens. We're giving her, un, giving her access to anything she wants to, all right? And then so we have the purpose, and then we have balance. And that leads right into it, balance with technology. Here's the thing. Kids don't know balance with technology. They don't know that. Teenagers, I love you. But you don't necessarily know balance with technology. I didn't know it as a teenager. I didn't know it as a kid. Man, I thought it was great. Mom and dad let me stay up all night playing video games. Awesome. That's wonderful. Oh, my parents got me a smartphone. This is sweet. There needs to be balance. And that balance needs to be taught. Because if that balance isn't taught, then kids aren't going to do what kids do. And that's really whatever they really want to do. And can I say this whole balance thing also plays into our lives as well? A couple years ago, I read one of the books up here that we're going to be giving away. It's called 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You. It's an awesome book. I read it, I bought it, and then I read it three years later. It's one of those books I picked up, read the first chapter, put it down, and then never picked it back up for like three more years. Um, but I picked it up, flipped through it, I read the entire thing, and when I finished it, I came to the conclusion, man, I'm spending way too much time on my cell phone. This is before screen time, so you couldn't see like how much time you were spending, but I knew that I was spending way too much time on social media. I knew it was a problem. And I think if we're honest, all of us probably spend a little too much time on our cell phone. Maybe not you, but I know definitely me. I've been there, and I can get there like that if I'm not careful about it. So I took a challenge, and I deleted all, I deleted all of my social media. All, I didn't just turn it off. I deleted the accounts, and I got rid of them for a whole year. And for a whole year, I didn't touch Instagram. I didn't touch Facebook. I didn't touch Twitter. I didn't touch any of the main, Insta any of the main social medias whatsoever. And it was life-changing. 
The free time that I had, at first it was really odd, because you know how you just pick up your phone sometimes, and you're like, oh, there's a blue app right there. I'm just going to tap on it real quick, all right? And it was weird, because I pick up my phone, what do I do with this? <laughs> there's, no, there's no orange camera button that's Instagram. There's no blue F on my screen. Like, what do I do with this thing? It's, it consumes so much of my life. And this book challenged me to spend some time away from it, to find some balance. Over time, after about a year, I started incorporating it back into my life. But you know what I found out? Just like that, I'm back to scrolling. What they call doom scrolling, where you're just sitting there scrolling constantly. And you're not even looking for anything. You're just scrolling and scrolling. You ever found yourself doing that at night? It's like 8.30 at night. You're sitting there on the couch. Or maybe even in bed, and you're just scrolling and scrolling. You should be in bed. You're in bed. You should be sleeping. And you're sitting there not even looking for anything. We've all probably been there. It happens. Balance. It's key to all of our lives and every single area of our lives when it comes to technology, especially because it takes us out of the entire world and puts us into really the whole world, but a totally different world. So it excludes us from everything around us and brings us into something else. So balance for technology is a parent decision and teaching should begin at a young age. So how much time are we spending on our phones or computers? That's a question I knew I was gonna have to ask eventually. And I want you to ask yourself, how much time are you spending on your computers and on your phones. Now, you may say, oh, but I work from home. I did that for a while here when the whole COVID thing first happened. We, we had the office start for like a day or two, and it wasn't very long, and then we came back to work. Um, but, I, but you're on your screen constantly, and I, I saw this meme the other day, and I don't have it on the screen because I couldn't find it, but I saw it the other day, and it cracked me up. I saw a meme the other day that said this, often I go throughout my day staring at my medium-sized screen, that's your computer at work, so I can reward myself with watching something on my big size screen, TV, while scrolling on my small screen, being your cell phone. <laughs> Ever been there? You spend a whole day at work, I'm just gonna go home, I'm gonna relax, I'm gonna sit on the couch and I'm gonna watch a TV show, you put the TV show on and the next thing you know, you got the big screen going, you've been on your medium screen all day at work, and now you're scrolling through your phone right there. It happens to all of us, and it's so easy to do because everybody does it. But balance. We need to find balance. That's not something that I can tell you what to do. That's not something that I can tell you, yes, here's the, here's the exact number you should spend on your screens a day. I can't give you that information because it doesn't exist. However, you can make that decision for yourself, and you can make that decision for your home. So now these next two sections that we're going to dive into are more tips and tricks and ideas for you. I want to talk just a little bit on family time, and then we're just going to get into some general technology tips. So the first thing I want to talk about is some family time. And I have some things here about family time without technology. I thought this was a tech seminar, Pastor Caleb. We're supposed to be talking about technology. You're supposed to be giving us tips and how can we use it better and how can we use it more. But that's not my goal here. I want to give you some tips and tricks here for family time. The word family time Think of it with me as we go throughout this session is any time you are with your family. Any time you're with your family. Not just going to a park or going to a sporting event or, or going on a walk together, but any time you are with your family. So think about that as we go throughout this time together. Thanks to increased technology and all the technology that we have around us, like gas station pumps, like <laughs> you go, you pull up to a gas station pump, 
and now you're kind of earning the you're kind of earning the screen that's there. But you put you put the pump in, and all of a sudden it plays. There's news and weather and sporting events and all the things that are going on in the world. It's everywhere around you, right? But thanks to increased technology, this this phrase this this term has happened: present absence. Present absence. It has come to the scene in a real way. Basically, when we are physically there, but we're really nowhere to be found. So we're there with the people, but we are away from who we are actually with. We've all seen it, all right? We've all seen it. We've seen the couple at a dinner together in a restaurant. I'm not saying it's anyone in this room. I'm not saying it's probably been me before too, okay? And you're at this restaurant, and they're at this, and they're at this restaurant, and you see them across the way. This couple or these people that maybe are on a date or they're, or they're married and they're sitting there and they're doing this. They're eating their food with one hand and scrolling with the other or texting or emailing. They're spending time together though, right? They're with each other. They're on a date. It's awesome. But they're just sitting there not even communicating or talking with each other the entire time. And here's the thing, 99% of the time when we're looking at stuff on social media, it has no importance whatsoever especially not compared to the people that we're supposed to be spending time with at that time. Be all there. Be fully present in the moment. Moments are amazing things. Moments are what make up our life. There are those little things that you remember in your life that were amazing and you don't see very many moments when you're scrolling on your smartphone. You may see something that happened to somebody else, one of their moments, but you aren't actually living in that moment. There was an experiment a while back in a fast food restaurant. They called 55 uh, adults in, all that had kids under 10 years old. And they brought them into a fast food restaurant. They didn't tell them what was going on. They had no idea what was going to be happening in there at all. So they brought them into a restaurant. They all had kids under 10 years old. Of those 55 adults, 40 were observed using their smartphones for various lengths of time. Kids were, were making bids for their parents' attention, ranging from singing to hitting and all kinds of different things. And when this would happen, the adults were seen to respond more slowly, more harshly, and otherwise inappropriately. I'm, I'm sure parents, you may have been there before too, where you're, you're trying to do something, send an email, send a text message, and Gwen's on my leg going, Dad, Dad, hey, Dad. And the next thing you know, she's slapping me going, Dad, Dad, Dad. And then she goes, ah, and she'll walk away, and I'll look up my phone and go, what? Like, what just, like, what do you want? That's not the way I should ever respond to my little girl who's trying to get my attention, but I'm, I'm so engrossed in something else that, well, my focus has been put elsewhere. There's an experiment. I'm going to show you a video here in a second. It's a very old video, like very old, like 2000. That's a very old. It's in the 2000s. <laughs> Man, do I sound like a millennial right now. Um, it, was in the, it was in the 2000s, all right? And um, early 2000s. This is before smartphones became mainstream. And it's called the still-faced video. Um, there's a, you'll see it in a second, there's a mom with her toddler, and she's interacting with the toddler, and the toddler is interacting back and pointing and laughing and everything like that, and then the mom just goes still-faced, just stares straight at the toddler for two minutes, no reaction, like she's just completely ignoring the toddler right in front of the toddler, and we'll see what happens. Play that video back there, Matt. Babies this young are extremely responsive to the emotions and the reactivity and the social interaction that they get from the world around them. This is something that we started studying oh, 30, 40 years ago when people didn't think 
that infants could engage in social interaction. In the still phase experiment, what the mother did was she sits down and she's playing with her baby who's about a year of age. I'm like a girl. And she gives a greeting to the baby. The baby gives a greeting back to her. This baby starts pointing at different places in the world, and the mother's trying to engage her and play with her. They're working to coordinate their emotions and their intentions, what they want to do in the world. And that's really what the baby is used to. And then we ask the mother to not respond to the baby. The baby very quickly picks up on this, and then she uses all of her abilities to try and get the mother back. She smiles at the mother. She points because she's used to the mother looking where she points. The baby puts both hands up in front of her and says, what's happening here? She makes that screechy sound at the mother, like, come on, why aren't we doing this? Even in this two minutes when they don't get the normal reaction, they react with negative emotions, they turn away, they feel the stress of it, they actually may lose control of their posture because of the stress that they're experiencing. It's a little like the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good is that normal stuff that goes on, that we all do with our kids. The bad is when something bad happens, but the infant can overcome it. After all, when you stop the still face, the mother and the baby start to play again. The ugly is when you don't give the child any chance to get back to the good. There's no reparation, and they're stuck in that really ugly situation. So this was before Babies cell phones really became mainstream. Um, if you notice, when you're looking at your cell phone, a lot of times, this is your face. It's very still. Every once in a while, you may Kirk a smile if you see something really funny. But when kids are trying to get your attention, I, I've seen, I have seen this happen with Gwen. Like, I've seen it happen, where she's trying to get my attention, and she does anything she can just to get to me and to get, to my, and to get my attention back on her. And it happens all the time where we get so engrossed in something else. The reason I show you that, it has nothing to do with technology, so to say, but the fact that we're not paying any attention to what's going on around us or the people that are most important to us, it really it drives a wedge there. And he said the ugly there is when we don't get back to the point where we, give them, where we get them a chance to go back to the good, to the interaction again, and we'll just leave them there with craziness, like my parents aren't paying attention to me, or whatever, and, and we've, all, we've all, like I said, there's no such thing as a perfect parent. We've all been there, and we'll all probably be there again. So let's jump into some tips and tricks, and then we will be done with the first session here. And this is where, this is what I've been looking forward to getting to the whole time. I wanted to give you some background, give you some ideas on family time, but let's get into some tips and tricks now, all right? So, 
First thing I want to do, I want to give you a challenge, the first thing here on this tips and tricks. A challenge for everyone in this room, whether you are a parent, whether you are a teenager, whether you are a child, whoever you are, I'm going to give you a challenge. And that is make a no-tech zone in your house. It can be anywhere in your house where there will not be any device present. I'll give you three examples, three ideas for you, and then you can really incorporate these anywhere in your house. First one I, I thought of is the table, the dinner table. Right? It's a wonderful place where all kinds of interaction happens with families. It's where all kinds of interaction happens with, with, uh, with spouses. It's a wonderful place to have communication. And sometimes that's the only communication you'll have with your kids for the whole week will be at that dinner table throughout the week because they're doing homework or sports or at school. So it's a wonderful place. I went out to eat. It's probably been a couple of years now with uh, Alex Park and another guy here at the church. And we got, to the, we got to the place. And I never done this before, but the other guy looks at me and says, hey, all of us are going to put our phones down on the table. First person to touch their phone has to pay for lunch. Why did he do that? Because we were spending time with each other. We weren't going to try to be somewhere else. And tech in the home, yes, is a good thing, but not having tech in the home really opens up, especially in today's day and age, to, I guess, what was normal 30, 40 years ago, when people would talk all the time and have awesome conversations together. So the tables one I came up with. Um, another one is, um, is in bedrooms. Especially for kids and teenagers, they should be, in my opinion, like I said, the most this is a lot of this is my opinion, should be no tech zones, and uh, that's uh, that's between you and your spouse and your family. But I don't see any positive thing that could come from there being a screen or a cell phone or a iPad that's unfiltered or not monitored in a bedroom. It's just, I don't see anything good coming out of that with kids or teenagers. So that's another one. And then one that I, that I thought of that was a really good idea, and it's worked really well for our family, is the car. The car, except for on long road trips, okay? But in the car, okay? The car is, don't have your trip to school or your trip, or your trip to work or your trip to the grocery store. Here's an iPad. I'll see you later. I'm going to go inside and get groceries, or I'm going to drive to school. It's a wonderful time. And I thought about this. Gwen's not going to be her age and in my car forever. There's going to be times when, there's going to be a time when, when Gwen's no longer in my car, which is crazy to think because she's only two and a half. Like, but that's going to happen. And I want to cherish the moments that I have Gwen in my car. Now, if we're going on like an eight-hour car ride, that's the different story. She might be getting an iPad a little bit for that one, all right? Because I don't want to hear Dora the Explorer for uh, eight hours straight, all right? Um, but there's a, there's a challenge for you. Now, here's just some random tips and tricks when I thought, what could be useful to families in the home? What would I tell families that were asking me? Well, give me some advice on technology. First one, when family time is on, media time is off. When family time is on, all media, it's off. It's gone. Now, Mary and I have watched shows together, Mary. I and Gwen have watched a movie together, okay? That's not what I mean, but when you sit down and have dedicated family time, whether it's playing a game or going on a walk, like actual, you've scheduled family time, media, gone. It's not there. It's just, not, like it doesn't even exist at the time, all right? This is something that my parents did, and I thank them for it. If they're probably watching right now, I said they were going to tune in tonight, and I thank them for that. I did not thank them for this at the time. In fact, I resented them a little bit for this at the time, and that was they could check my phone whenever they wanted to. I know, and every teenager in this room just said, I hate you, Pastor Caleb. <laughs> every teenager just said that to me, all right? I, in their head, I know it's there. But my parents did that to me, and to be honest with you, it scared me to death. Like, to death, like, what if I send a mean text, and it's like, about my parents, and they pick up my phone as soon as I send it, and they read it. 
how, how, what would I say? What would I remember one time just sitting on the couch and I didn't have, my parents would not let me have social media. They just wouldn't get, they wouldn't allow me to have it until I got into uh, 12th grade. They just said no social media for you. So I remember I'm sitting there on the couch, no social media. I'm texting my friends and my dad just looks at me and goes, give me your phone. Like what? Like he just looks at me and says, give me your phone. He goes, I I pay for your phone. So give me your phone. I handed him my phone. Um, but it, it, it just, it's one of those things that it was always in the back of my mind that my parents could literally take my phone out of my possession at any time. So to be honest with you, I think that saved me from a whole lot. Knowing that at any time they could just come grab my phone and take it from me at any time they wanted to. And keep that. Keep that I can look at your device at any time. As long as they're under your roof, parents, I firmly believe that that's something that you should and can do, all right? and uh, randomly glance, see what's happening there. And if you don't get anything else from tonight, get this one tip or trick. If you get nothing else, get this one phrase. Don't stick your head in the sand. Don't stick your head in the sand. I told you I had two facts. And uh, these are my two facts for tonight. I'm gonna give these to you. Um, Eight years old is the average exposure to inappropriate things online. And 11 years old was when the average addiction begins. That breaks my heart because I work in the kids' ministry and I work in the bus ministry. And to know that there's kids that are struggling already at 8 and 11 years old, it breaks my heart. And fifth grade is the average time when sending inappropriate things to each other starts. I confirmed that the other day just to make sure that was still accurate, and that's, that's still it. Parents, don't stick your head in the sand. If I can give you any, if I can say anything to you as the children's pastor here, is don't stick your head in the sand when it comes to technology. Oh, they'll be fine. I trust them. I wouldn't have trusted me when I was a teenager. And I would consider myself to have been a good kid. But I wouldn't have trusted myself with unlimited access to anything. And if this is the average, this is the average, it's heartbreaking to me. But here's the wonderful thing, is that you can change that. I can change that in my home by setting up filters, by setting up parameters to where I can, to where I get to their heart and help them understand that, hey, there's bad and scary things on here. Yes, I'm giving you something to use, and yes, I want you to have fun, but I want you to be very careful. It has to be conversations that we had. Your parents and my parents, they didn't really have that conversation because they didn't need to. That conversation wasn't needed growing up. iPads were not that popular. iPhones were not popular at all, even with me growing up. And many of you in this room, you probably never had to have that conversation. But it's a conversation now that that needs to be had. Technology is wonderful. It's amazing. It's awesome. But it's also can be very dangerous. Next tip or trick. There are apps that are constantly being developed with screen blocking, reporting, et cetera. Those are good, but here's the tip. Nothing compares to ongoing conversations between parents and kids. I can give you a list, and I'm going to give you a list in our next session of some good filtering apps and some good content managers and some good ways. This is more of a overview, a philosophical view kind of say of how I view technology in the home. Those are all awesome. But nothing beats having conversations with your kids, and nothing beats having conversations with your spouse about it, too. It's good to always keep conversation going with your spouse and with your kids about how you are using technology. 
Because even us as parents, we can mess up like that too. Like that, instantly. Adults in this room, like that, it's, and it's over. Like, it takes no time at all. It's not just kids and teenagers that have issues, it's adults too as well. We all have issues with technology. Decide on and be consistent with screen time, with screen time rules for your home. Don't let, it, don't let it change. Don't let one parent say, well, I'm with dad today, so I get an extra two and a half hours on my Xbox, right? That's not, that's, that's not how we want our homes to be ran there. Now, here are some ideas just for you parents. A lot of this has been family-focused, and a lot of this has been children-focused, but here's just for, for you, for, for some tech ideas for you in the home, adults in here, all right? First one is turn off push notifications for everything that's not important. If you don't know how to do that, it's in your settings, go to notifications, turn off Pizza Hut, all right? I don't need to know every time Pizza Hut has a $5 deal, especially when I'm sitting at work, at my desk, sending an email, and ding! Oh, what's that? Oh, Pizza Hut's a $5 pizza. It doesn't help my life or change my life, whatever. You know what it did? It distracted me from something that I was doing. I don't need to know if Adidas has a sale going on for 10% off there's $300 shoes. Like, I, I don't need to know that. That's not something that's important to me, okay? Now, I, I don't have all of my notifications turned off. You don't have to turn on I want to know when people are trying to text me or call me. That's important things. But if it's a useless thing, everybody wants your time. Everybody, every company wants you to click and to respond and to purchase and to browse. That's how they get your attention all the time, all right? Um, consider turning off screens an hour before bedtime. We just started doing this in our home and it has actually helped Gwen out a ton. All screens are off in our house, at least turned off an hour before bedtime. There is science behind the whole blue light thing where if you're staring at it before bed, it messes with your brain. I'm not gonna go into all that science. I'm not a scientist either, okay? Children's pastor, tech, tech, tech guy, okay? Not scientist or marriage counselor, okay? That's not, that's not my area there. But there is science behind that. Helps Gwen calm down, helps us calm down. And it just gets your mind off of everything else. And I'll add to that, Apple and Android, if you have a cell phone, have what's called downtime, where you can set a time on your phone where you cannot be bothered except by select people. And it is a wonderful tool. At six o'clock, so here in eight minutes until six o'clock in the morning, my phone will only allow phone calls from certain people that I work with, my family, and a couple of my friends. Everyone else that try to get a hold of me, I'm sorry, <laughs> probably not gonna get it till the morning. I don't get email notifications during that time. All my notifications are turned off during that time. It's a wonderful, wonderful tool that just lets you focus in for a little bit because it's so easy. How many times have I picked up my cell phone and just, I'm up here speaking and I'm just, huh. And I know I'm using it for illustrations, but like I just pick it up and so often we do. Last thing I'll say under for parents, and uh, some of you will agree with me, this, some, of you, some of you will not, and that is if you are driving, please do me a favor. Please put your phone away. I know that's outside of the home, and I know that that is not necessarily inside of the home, but we've all heard horror stories, we've all seen horror stories, we've all heard these crazy accidents and everything about like that. There's this wonderful thing for Apple and Android. Once again, I'm going with cell phones here mainly because that's what all of us have. You plug it into your car, and if someone texts you or tries calling you, it sends them a text immediately that says, I am currently driving. If you texted me while I'm driving, you've gotten this. I am currently driving with Do Not Disturb turned on. I will respond to you when I get to my next destination. It's a wonderful tool. 
It's very helpful. It lets people know that I'm not purposefully ignoring them, and at the same time, it saves me from doing this while I'm driving down the, the 55 at 70 miles an hour, all right? For closing thoughts, two statements for you, and then we'll wrap up this first session. It's the closing thoughts here. The first one is make technology work for your family. Don't let technology take control of your family. You make it work for your family. You make it work. And then secondly, fight for your kids. Fight for your kids. Whether they're, whether they're a two-year-old like Gwen, or whether they're a senior in high school getting ready to graduate, fight for your kids because the world is fighting for them too. It wants their attention. It wants their screen time. It wants everything to go to them. Or wants everything, it wants their focus to be on anything else but really what's important. Fight for your kids. This next session, we'll be going over some more practical things. This is more philosophical, and I guess some small tips and tricks here and there. We're going to jump in here and, and uh, give some of our thoughts. Some of this is based on biblical principles. Some of it's just practical experience. Some is things we've—I've seen in my own life with five kids that we've done well, and maybe some things we could have done better. Others is experience. Literally, I, I, I can for sure say not a month goes by, it's often not a week goes by, that we're not dealing with some challenge in a family or in a school or in a classroom or with a student or a teenager or a parent or a married couple, or whatever it might be in my, from my chair, that we're not dealing with something that they're seeking some counsel or we're dealing with an issue that was brought on by technology or the misuse of technology in their lives. And this last week was no exception in that, um, where, where there's, this, the, there's these struggles. So some of these are going to be based on some of that experience, and some of it will be opinion or will be thoughts, and we'll say that, like C Caleb said, you're going to fall in different spots. But I do want to start just by giving you a few verses from Proverbs chapter number 29. Solomon talking in Proverbs 29, and he says in verse number 15, he says, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. I'm not sure if we have that verse on the screen or not, but that thought there, a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. The rod and reproof give wisdom. What is Solomon saying? Parents, be involved. Correct. Guide. Be a parent. A child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. It says in verse number 17, correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest, yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. What I am seeing in, in many families, in, in our ministry, in our school, in our church, in every ministry that I go to speak at, every pastor that I talk to, every principal of, of a Christian school, a, a public school, anyone that I talk to that deals with families, is we are giving we are giving technology as a birthright. You turn a certain age, you get this thing because every kid in your class gets it, and they have, as we've talked about, unhindered access. There's no training. There are no conversations, as Pastor Caleb mentioned. There's no correction. There's no, uh, there's no accountability. And a child left to himself will bring his mother to shame, bring great heartache in their lives. Uh, it's not a rare thing that I, I deal with people in their 20s or 30s that talk to me and say, I'm still struggling now, 10, 15. 20, 25 years later in these relationships in my life because of some things that I did, that, that I got involved with that I should not have earlier on in life. That's not a rare thing in my line of work to be talking with folks along those ways. So I want to give you two thoughts as it relates to technology, and if you want to jot these down, you can. And I would just say this, as it relates to any of us, and then specifically if you do have children in the home with technology, number one, have a plan. 
Don't just passively go into this and and just let the monster grow wherever it wants to grow. Have a plan. We're going to talk a little bit about this on limiting screen time or what should that look like. That's going to look different in your family than it's going to look in ours. There's going to be, Caleb mentioned, I read the TechWise family when my wife and I were on vacation last year, um, and, and there are a lot of things in there that we do, and others, like he said, put, convicted me like, man, I, I'm, I, I have way too, much te- way too much technology in our family. And then there are some of you that would look at our family and say, you have way too much technology, and others that you would say, man, you're, you're, you're just like a dictator. You guys aren't, aren't letting... You, this is not about my family or yours, it's about as God is leading and directing you in your life and in your family, have a plan. And as he said, if you're married, spouses, be on the same page with that plan, be and work together. And then secondly, stay involved. Caleb already said this kind of, he said, don't, hide, don't stick your head in the sand. Here's the reality. You just look at the statistics, not even my anecdotal personal experience, just look at the statistics. Of, of, of these things and, and read them, if, you, if your child has a smartphone and you have not dealt with the misuse of that smartphone, I'll say this, and it's kind of, I'm being a little bit, hyper, there's a little hyperbole here, but uh, not much. There's one of two options. If your child has a smartphone or teen has a smartphone or iPad or computer and you've not dealt with the misuse of that yet, there are one of two options. You either have the most spiritual teenager in all of America or you're being deceived. Those are really the only two options, and I say that with someone that has three teenagers in the home. It's just, because guess what? How many of us as adults have dealt with personally misusing our technology? If we were all honest, every one of us would put our hands up. There wouldn't be probably, maybe, maybe, but probably not a, an adult in this room that wouldn't say, I have not had some form of misuse of my cell phone. And so if you have teenagers and you gave it to them, you say, Pastor, it's going great in our home. We haven't had to deal with one thing. Either you, you should be up here teaching the seminar then, not me, or you're not, really, you're not really in tune with what's happening in your own home. Because it's just to, all of us have had to learn how to, and if you're, we've all had to learn, Caleb, to go off of, of social media. I went um, um, with, with Ashlyn at the end of last year, we went for a month or two months, deleted all social media apps and was not on, the, on them for a couple of months. Uh, if you want to have a wake-up call on how you're using your own and, and a little bit of a convicting uh, wake-up call, go on your phone to the screen time under settings, click screen time, and see how much time you're spending on your cell phone in a day and in the last week. I don't know about you, I don't know, does Apple send it to everybody on Sunday morning? Yes. I get mine on Sunday morning, usually right when I'm pulling into church, trying to share how godly and spiritual I am with the rest of the church. And I get a notification telling me how much time I spent on average on my phone. And I like to justify that a lot of that was my prayer list and my email (laughs) app and no wasteful things at all, but the reality is it's not true. And if you want to be honest about it, not just teenagers and kids, am I using my phone in wise, pleasing? Go look at your screen time on a regular basis. We did this. We were on, Brother Ryan and I coach our high school basketball team. We were with the guys, and we were talking about different things. And, and we said, pull up your phone. How many, how many hours were you on last, yesterday on your phone? Parents, you'd be shocked. 
I'd probably be shocked of my own kids. I don't check this every day. I'm probably not as involved as I should be. This is me preaching to us, not preaching at you. We do stay involved with and accountable with our kids' technology, and we have some guidelines in our home, but probably not as much as we should be. But how much time on that app? How much time on that social network? How much time on that? And we challenged a couple of them. I challenged one, um, and he, he took the challenge and did it to delete all of those for a month. And I, I put a, um, some, some incentives in front of him, and he did that. Why? Because if we're not careful, it's just all of us. We pull it up and we waste time. So have a plan. Don't let it control you. You control it. And that's easier said than done. And then secondly, stay involved. If you don't know what's going on in your kids' lives in any area, but as it relates to technology as well, you're failing them. And a child left to himself brings his mother to shame. Go ahead, Pastor Caleb. All right. So I fear we start off with one of the hardest questions there um, that we knew all was, uh, was going to be asked eventually tonight. And I'll give it to Pastor. Should I give my child or teenager a cell phone? If yes, why? If no, why? The Bible doesn't tell you, thou shalt give thy child a cell phone at age whatever. It's not in there. There are some biblical principles, I think. And again, this is going to be different in every family. I'll tell you what we've decided and how we've handled this in our family. I was just talking with Craig and Julie. Um, your children range in age from 37 to about 20. 22, and we were just talking about, I said, this changed even in the midst of your parenting, having to make these decisions. Your oldest, you weren't really dealing with any of this. There was no such thing as a smartphone, really. Um, when he was in junior high, that wasn't a thing. To a 22-year-old, it was a big part of their lives and their peers' lives. We were talking about some of this. And she said, for us, our kids didn't have a smartphone until anywhere in high school. It was once they graduated from high school, they had a flip phone at that time. And the reality is now there are children in our elementary school in second, third, and fourth grade that have nicer smartphones than I do. Um, and, and so there are wide ranges of opinions on this. Um, that article on the back of your notes, there's a QR code, should I give my child a smartphone? I'd encourage you to read that and really consider that as you think about these things. I think there's a difference between a smartphone and a flip phone. Or Caleb might give you a couple of safer options, so to speak, that just doesn't have all of those, those options. A smartphone has access to contact anybody you would ever want to contact, to see anything you would ever want to see, to listen to any kind of music you would ever want to listen to, to watch any kind of violence or hear any kind of vulgarity. It's just all out there. Now, it also has more Bible content and Bible apps and verses and preaching, like all of the good content is out there as well. But, but should we give our child or teenager a cell phone? Here is how Tiffany and I have worked on this, and every family's going to have different opinions on this. For us, it was when it had a profitable purpose. When I, what I mean by that is when they needed it, not because it was a birthright. And some of TJ sitting here, and I'm trying to embarrass him, he's in 10th grade, about to finish 10th grade, going into 11th grade. Some of his friends still maybe at times give him a little bit of a hard time. TJ has a flip phone. It's a flip phone cell phone. He's going to be 16 in, uh, in October, and it hasn't been plugged in in how long, TJ? Four or five months, I think, has been dead. We bought it. TJ and Titus run a little uh, small business they do in the summer, and we bought it because they would be in different neighborhoods doing their business, and they needed to communicate with each other. So TJ went to Walmart, got a track phone. Why? At this point, TJ doesn't have a driver's license. I take him to school. I go to his sports games. If I'm not with him, he was just at youth conference for three days. He doesn't need a cell phone there. I can reach out to Brother Ryan. He can call me from there. Um, he can go on youth trips. He doesn't need that for us. The, the pros—I'm the, sorry, the cons far outweigh the pros for us. 
So with Ashlyn, I think she was going into her senior year. She was, maybe it was when she, I want to say uh, there was a specific job where she was going to be traveling by herself to go places, and, uh, and we got it somewhere going into her senior year with Titus. Um, I, I don't know why the younger they get, maybe the, the nicer you get with Titus. It was his 16th birthday, but the same thing, he had uh, a job, he was driving, he would drive the teenagers places, he would go to work. So Titus got it at age 16 on his 16th birthday, Ashlyn I think it was 16 and a half or 17 for both of them. It was when, and when they got it, just because they have it doesn't mean we, we know their passwords to this day. Every night to this day, they leave their phone in our room. When they go to bed, they leave their Apple Watch in our room. When they go to bed, there's a little charging station that all of those things go there. Their iPads go in a rack. You might say, that's overkill. You're a legalist. Whatever. You can say whatever you want. Even with all of our guidelines, we've still had to walk through some challenging things with technology in our family. Um, and, and when we're at home, they're not constantly, they, they have it at a charging station on the counter. And, and we're, when we're at home, I'm really the biggest offender of being on my phone at family time. It's not my teenagers. I'm the one that my wife has to correct more than the kids. The kids are much better at it than I am with family time. But for us, um, and so for a child, for me, if you wanted, you're just asking my opinion, for a child, no. And if you have it, I'm not against you. You can figure that out for your own family. For me, no. For a teenager, when there is a real reason, and even then, there are guidelines I had when our kids only one, Ashton's the only one on social media, had her do some research into that, look into that, give us some guidelines, and again, even still, we've had hours-long conversations about those things, which is good to help guide those things, but for me, I would say when it has a profitable purpose. Very good. Yeah, I would, um, <clears throat> I would just add to that, too. I think, um, obviously, the, you know, you as a parent need to have discretion and, and you know, seek seek God and, and figure out what's best for your family in that situation, like Pastor mentioned. I would also encourage, in my opinion, it would probably good, be good at some point for your child to have a smartphone while they're still in your home. So you can teach them how to navigate that. If the first time they get a smartphone is when they go off to college and they're on their own, they may not know how to be fully prepared to navigate that. And so, like he mentioned, when they're, you know, whatever it was, 16 or 17, when they're, you know, in those last few years, you'll be able to help them navigate how to use a smartphone so they're not just lost on their own trying to figure out how to do that. Very good. Uh, RC, I'll give us the next one to you. What advice would you give to parents regarding social media and their children? Yeah, so I would give um, two specific pieces of advice uh, when it comes to social media and for parents. I would use these two words, manage and monitor, manage and monitor. So uh, the first one I would say is manage. Uh, manage their time, the amount of time that they're spending on social media. Like Pastor mentioned, uh, for me, I've, I've been um, an advocate for teens on this, and then it's something that I've had to work on myself is the amount of time that I waste on social media. And, uh, you know, I can find myself watching one YouTube video and just the links lead to another and to another. And it's like YouTube is reading my mind. It knows where I want to go. And uh, I found myself wasting so much time on YouTube or whatever it is. And so managing that time, again, that's, that's advice that we can use for ourselves as adults as well, but specifically for teens, um, managing that time, manage. And then monitor. Um, monitor who they follow. Um, what are they doing on social media? This is important. What accounts do they have? Okay, every single teenager in this room is not afraid, most are not afraid to let me follow their main account. But I'm not a fool to know that many of them have spam accounts, 
uh, burner accounts uh, that they do not let me follow, that are blocked. The, the, uh, the private, uh, those accounts that are public, their main accounts uh, are public, and then there are spam accounts and burner accounts that the youth pastor is not allowed to follow uh, because I've attempted before. And uh, so know what type of accounts they have and what they're posting on that, those accounts and be aware who, who they're uh, DMing. And uh, so a lot of times uh, when, when teens are texting, they'll be much more careful knowing that mom and dad are looking at their text messages. But when they're on Instagram, they're direct messaging each other because they know that that's something that you don't check. And so be aware of, of, of that. Monitor what they do, who they follow, what they do on social media, what accounts uh, they're connected with there, and, um, and, and what accounts they have, I think, would be the two most important things, monitor and manage. And I, I would say on this, parents, a little tip, and by the way, you're the parent, you're probably, you probably bought the phone, you're probably paying the monthly payment for the phone if they're in your home. You have every right to have access, as Caleb said with his parents, to that content. I want to give you a little tip. If you want to have an idea of what your kids are watching and what, what they're kind of, go on YouTube, just go to their homepage. If they have TikTok, go on their TikTok. Or on Instagram, go to the video page. Whatever pops up, it's an algorithm. Whatever pops up, that is what your children are watching. Instagram, uh, um, um, Facebook, re, uh, Facebook videos, YouTube, it knows. So if there are a bunch of wicked music videos, or if there's a bunch of violence, if there's a bunch of video gaming, if it's sports, if it's nature, if it's an animal, those aren't random suggestions from YouTube. All of those are based on the activity that your child has had on that. A great way to find out what your kids are involved in. Teens are going to be like going home and watching a bunch of Bible videos tonight real fast, like preaching. Dad, I want more preaching online. Yeah. Whatever, if, whatever, your, uh, whatever TikTok is showing, TikTok showing a bunch of fill in the blank, whatever it is, that's yeah. because that is what your child has been watching. It's an algorithm that is feeding them the stuff they know they'll click on. So a great way to find out, I, I would encourage you to go on and look at the screen time per app. We would all probably be shocked by our own usage and our kids' usage. And then regarding social media, I would say this, parents, remind your children everything they post on the internet is forever. Even if it goes away, all it takes is a screenshot. I have watched in, in the news, I, I, so recently there was a guy that got drafted in the NHL, I forget what team, he got drafted, one of the top prospects, and a tweet that he put out like when he was 14 came back and a team, he lost millions of dollars. Aren't you glad everything stupid you said to your friends when you were 14 wasn't on the internet forever? Remind kids when they jump onto social media, screen, even if they delete something, just plan that it will be there forever. Screenshots happen and they happen quickly. And then parents, wouldn't it be a bad thing for you to look at? It's some amazing studies. You look at the stats of teen depression and suicide in, and, and look over the last 15 years since Twitter, since Facebook, since Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, look at when those, those things began to come and now teenagers get this idea of what, what they're supposed to be doing, their comparison, they're not enough, how many likes they got. Read up on it. Are there some benefits? I'm on social media. Our church is on social media. I'm not saying it's all of the devil. Are there benefits? Yes. But go ahead and read about the effects of social media on the mental and emotional health of young people and help guide them through it. Have a plan. Stay involved. Very good. Next question. How can I limit the screen time of my children? I'll answer this one. Uh, we gave away that circle a little bit ago. That's a wonderful way to limit screen time of children, to limit um, what they're looking at. Because like I said, you can set up profiles. You can say you have 10 minutes a day, and that's all you get on your devices. 
And then anytime they try to search something, try to go to YouTube, whatever, it'll just say, nope, it won't load for them. It'll just get like that weird sad face that you get on, on YouTube whenever it doesn't load a video. That's what they're gonna get. It won't give them internet access. So Circle's a great one. Um, screen time app, it's on your phone. It's literally installed on your iPhone or if you're on Android, it's digital well-being. The same thing pretty much, you can limit how much. I do this personally, I told you, social media can draw you back in like that. I have 10 minutes a day is all I'm allowed across all of my social media accounts. So after 10 minutes, Mary has the password, I don't even know what the password is. So after 10 minutes, I'm done with social media for the day and I can't get around it. I can, I can factory reset my phone, but it won't let me do it because she has the password to it and I still can't factory reset it. So that is a wonderful way to control how much time uh, that you're allowing your kids on their screens. And then last one, it's on the back of your sheet that you'll see a QR code for what's called the Bark app. It's a monthly subscription and it works almost the same way as Circle, but it works across all devices the same way Circle does, but it's just, it's another option out there for you. I believe that one is $6 a month, um, but it works the same way that Circle does. And, and don't let, it's so easy in, in our society for, for technology just to become the default activity. Caleb mentioned it, we go from watching TV to getting in the car, to watching the DVD in the car, to getting out at the restaurant, to pulling out the phone at the table, to getting back in the car to watch the DVD, to go back home, to sit back down, to watch the TV and play video games, or on the Switch, or on the, on the iPad, and, and we say, man, we had a great family night, didn't we? <laughs> we all looked at screens for eight hours together. Um, our, we started when we got a Nintendo Wii, before we had a lot of tech devices in our home, we called it Wii Time. The kids got one hour a week. On Wednesday was Wii Day. When they got home from school, they could do that. And then if dad was in a good mood on Friday night after the week was over, we might play a, uh, some family Wii Bowling or whatever that might be. Well, we've kind of kept that. Um, the, the kids on Wednesdays usually get about an hour a day in between school and coming back to church for that video game. That doesn't mean they don't ever play video games other times. And by the way, they ask a whole lot. But they're not on there for hours. Our kids aren't playing till two and three in the morning. Um, I, I just don't think it's healthy for them. That's not what we want in our home. You might be okay with that. Have a plan and be involved. But our plan is we don't want that in our home. And so uh, just today we got home and we wanted to watch that St. Peter's UNC game, March Madness. And so TJ was like, what time is that game? Titus says, I said, 2.25. We got home from lunch um, at about, I don't know, 1.30. And uh, it said 2.25. And Ty said, good, enough time for me to play Madden. Was it Madden or 2K? Got enough time to play 2K. And I was like, what? How do we get 2K in there? How do we get PS5, or, uh, PS5 going in there? And I laid down, I was like, TJ, CBS, I want to watch the end of this uh, Villanova game. And before I know it, I'm watching uh, the Grizzlies and uh, somebody else playing 2K. I was like, how, are we how do we get video games? What's going on here? And so then Trey immediately grabs a Switch and he's sitting on the couch next to me playing a game on the Switch. And Annalise asked me, hey dad, can I play Traffic Racer on your phone? Like just default us coming home from lunch after church, everybody wanted to be on a device. I don't know why, I'm not a very consistent dad. I told Trey no and Annalise no, but I let the boys finish their game of 2K. <laughs> the teenagers played their game of 2K and then we watched a little of the St. Peter's game. But it's, it's every day. All of us, the default is to technology. Be involved and set up some guidelines. Next question, what are some troublesome apps to look out for on my children's devices? RC. Dun, dun, dun. All right, I got a, uh, I, don't, I don't really have any specifics. Um, I, I do have a few, uh, a couple I'll mention, but really, um, I would just say, just be aware in general of what apps your children have on their phone. Um, there's, there's a setting that you can control through Apple that allows you to control what apps are even downloaded on their phone. And uh, be aware of that. There are so many hiding apps and secret apps that they call them, and they're always changing. 
uh, that try to um, make it so that teens can have um, apps that look like calculators or look like Safari or look like Google Chrome so that they can get around you knowing who they're texting, who they're contacting. And uh, so be aware of what they're downloading, what is on their phone. Um, I would specifically, like I mentioned before with Instagram and, and, and be careful of that with direct messaging. Um, I know some of the teens will probably be upset at me for this, but I think TikTok is extremely dangerous. Yep. Uh, it's an extremely, yep. extremely dangerous app. I would, as a youth pastor, I would not recommend any parent allowing your child to have TikTok. I know there are many teens in this room who do have TikTok. I'm not talking bad about any family in particular, but if you were asking my counsel as a youth pastor, I would recommend that you don't allow your child to have TikTok. Um, I downloaded TikTok, I think, for a day. And with just following a few basketball accounts, there was inappropriate content that was coming through my stream without me even attending. I mean, the, the whole purpose of me was to watch basketball videos, and there was inappropriate content that would come without me even wanting it. And so I would definitely recommend uh, you to be aware of that and uh, to be alert and make sure that you uh, are on guard specifically with, tip, with uh, TikTok there and uh, as well with Snapchat, uh, the messages that delete and the pictures that delete. And uh, by the way, those delete for the user, those do not delete for the creators of that app. The creators of Snapchat have the right, you agree to them having the legal right to every single picture that is sent and delivered through Snapchat. Because your teen deletes it and the picture deletes for them does not mean that they do not have access. And there's been many legal actions taken for that, but when you download Snapchat, you agree to the legal rights of the creators of Snapchat having access to those pictures forever. And uh, so I would be very cautious with those two apps in particular, but overall just be uh, very aware of what apps they're downloading, what apps are on their phone, uh, so that you're in the loop of what's happening. Yeah, if your kids are spending uh, six hours a day on an app called Calculator, <laughs> it's, probably, it's probably not an actual they calculator. They really care about algebra. <laughs> That's a lot of math homework, they're, all right? are doing a lot of math homework, yep. Next one here, Pastor, I'll give to you. What are some ways I can monitor and filter my children's devices? Caleb's already giving you some. I would say, number one, you need to have the passwords to their phones. My wife has my password. I have her password. If you're, in a fa if you're a family trying to live for the Lord and love each other, why would we be hiding anything from each other? Uh, so I think you should just have that, and you should have the right and regularly go check and see what's going on. But here's the reality. I'm not really going to give you any tips on how to filter their devices. Here's the reality. If the heart is wrong, they're going to figure out a way to get involved in wrong no matter what you do. If we're not careful, when we start talking about technology, it's all about the externals. And I'm for a firewall. We have one, we, 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 I pay for covenant eyes on, on our devices and our family. We have a strong firewall that we pay for here at, at our, and we get, Caleb gets a count. If anybody hits a certain subject and different things, it goes and, and he, he gets a report and sees what device from, did all those things, and we have to deal with some of that. I'm for externals. But the answer to this problem is not modifying behavior. The answer is hopefully leading your children to fall in love with Jesus Christ. Because a heart, I'm glad Caleb understands there's weakness, so he puts a 10-minute thing on Facebook, and, but the reality is if he wanted to be on social media more, he could go on his laptop. He, can go on, he did that because it's helping him. When I drive, I hate driving windy roads. The older I get in mountains, the higher it gets. I'm glad when there's a guardrail there. I like the guardrail because it gives me a little assurance. I'm not going to go off the cliff, cliff, but you know what's better than a guardrail? Good, safe driving. And, and parents, 
Don't just think, I bought Circle, I, I bought this app, I bought those books, I, I checked my son's screen time, I checked my daughter's DMs, I did all of those things, we're all good. How is your child's heart? Yeah. Are you having these conversations with them about what's going on in their hearts, what they're struggling with? May I say this, parents? If you see a change in spirit in your child, don't just chalk that up to normal growth development. If all of a sudden they're really quiet, if all of a sudden they never want to be around the family anymore, they're always wanting to be behind a closed door, if all of a sudden they're really angry and there's outbursts, if there's a big change in spirit or in demeanor, even to the the point of where a child will always have a jacket on or a hood over, always wants to have AirPods in their ears, all of those are signs very often something's going on in the heart. I have hoodies. I'm not saying if you're wearing a hoodie today that you have a heart against God, but somebody that always wants to have their head covered and always never wants to, sometimes we've had to deal with kids that, that, that you can never see their arms and they're struggling, they're cutting themselves, they're struggling with emotional things and just, the Bible says, be diligent to know the state of thy flocks. What does that mean? Be involved and know what's going on. There have been times with our five kids and they brought us great joy, but they're, they're sinful like their mom and we've had to deal with some things. <laughs> Did I say that? I meant like their dad, that's what I meant, like their dad. We've had to deal with some things, but, but here's the reality. Don't just chalk it up to, well, they're 14, they're supposed to hate their parents. Hogwash. That's not God's plan for the family. Don't buy into that lie. Will they, as their bodies are changing and their minds are changing, will there be some struggles and some questions and some conflict in the home? Absolutely. But if you see a big change, this is a heart matter. I'm glad for the tips. And I'm glad for the filters, and I'm glad for uh, our kids putting their phone in our room at night, but guess what? I'm glad that I have the password to their social media, but guess what? If they want to badly enough, they're going to get around all of that. I might be able to help keep some of it at bay, but if the heart is wrong out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. They're going to act on what's going on in here. And even if I can keep them in a bubble for another three or four years, that bubble's going to pop somewhere along the way in the next few years. Ashlyn's going to turn 20 this summer. Titus is turning 18. TJ's turning 16. I don't care how strong of a bubble I put around them. Somewhere in the next year, two, three, or four, very likely, three of our kids are no longer going to be under any of our guidelines as far as daily accountability. We've got to work on the heart. Be diligent to know the state of thy flocks. Do you know, take a child, I've done this, take a child out, talk to me about what you're struggling with. What have I done? Do I, what do I need to apologize for? I, I've sought Christian counseling in the last couple of years related to my parenting. And I, that my, my, my kids are awesome, but I look, and there's some things that I'm not, I need to work on. And I, I think my kids would tell you that I'm the same person. I try to be the same person at home that I'm in the pulpit. I try to be a loving husband and a, and a loving dad. I try to be involved. I'm involved in their lives. But guess what? I'm not the perfect dad. And learning to parent adults is a whole new season for my wife and me that we've been walking through. And guess what I did? I said, I don't have all the answers. I need to go get somebody that has more wisdom than me. I've, I've spent hours with multiple pastors older than me that have raised their families in the last couple of years saying, I was on the phone two days ago for a half an hour with not, nothing bad going on in our home with a pastor friend of mine that I admire greatly and said, here's what we're praying about. Here's what we're thinking and how we're guiding our, our, our 18 and, and 20 year old. Talk to me. Am I off base? What do you see here? What options would you tell us to consider? 
They're, they're looking at what's next in their life in college and what they're doing. Here's what we're thinking, but we all have blind spots. So I say all of that to say, man, none of us are perfect, but, but work on us and then fight for your children's hearts. I know it didn't really answer that question, but I think if we're not careful, we'll, don't, don't neglect the external things that can help you, but don't put all your faith and trust in the circle filter. We've got to reach the heart. Are they falling in love with Jesus? I heard one pastor, and I'll be done, I talk too much. I heard one pastor say he raised his kids, and they asked him, what's one mistake you made in rearing your kids? One of his sons is a pastor. I don't know what his other daughter, I don't know his other daughter. I don't really know him. I've never, I've met him once, I think. I was watching a Facebook Live he did with his son, and somebody sent in a question, and they said, what, what mistakes, if you could go back, what were your biggest mistakes as a parent? And he's, he's having this Facebook Live with his pastor's son. And you know what he said? He said, here's what he said. He said, I, I wish I had taught my children to be more spirit-filled than I taught them to be separated. Hmm. He said, because if I had taught them to be spirit-filled, they would be as separated as the Holy Spirit wants them to be. He said, and if, when I, there was a season in my life as a parent, and this doesn't mean we don't care about the externals. This doesn't mean there aren't rules and guidelines in our homes. But he said, I place too much emphasis on the externals and not on the heart. And I was raising little Pharisees. And he, what was he saying? I wish I had focused on the heart more, on spirit-filled, more the relationship more than just the rules. We have rules in our home. We have guidelines. But the heart is what will guide them to a life of living for Jesus. Is God getting a hold of their hearts? Not just you. And if you need to delete TikTok off your kid's phone today, delete TikTok. But that's not the end-all solution. The end-all solution is, are they falling in love with a Savior that they want to please for a lifetime? Yeah, that's super good. Like you said, any filtering thing is great, but the best thing you can do is have a conversation with your kids about how to use technology. That's the best thing you can do. That's better than any filtering system that we're going to give out tonight. It's better than anything I'm going to recommend you. Next question is, what kind of phone should I get my child? <laughs> I worded that one. One for a child, none. I'm with Pastor <laughs> on that one. Your child should not have a smartphone. There are kids in the youth group that have one, and they just should not have it. That's my opinion, and I will... I kids will, ministry, I think you, you, mean, I said. you said youth group, which is youth okay, group, but... Yeah, kids ministry, yeah. I didn't know. Just, I don't believe a kid should have one whatsoever. But if we were talking about a teenager here, um, I would say this wonderful piece of technology right here that all of us have seen before... <laughs> Pastor already mentioned it. This is my very first flip phone right here. It's a beautiful piece of technology right here. No internet access. It's beautiful. You can call who you need to call, text who you need to text. And, uh, it takes you, a really long time to text who you need does. to text. It does. So you don't want to text. It takes absolutely forever. <laughs> T9 I even, texting. I can text, text faster on T9. T9. <laughs> you were good at that? No one knows no yes. where T9 is? All right. Right here. This is it. Here's the thing, though. I'm going to go ahead and warn you. If you go to a phone carrier and you say, I want a flip phone, they're going to say, but I can give you a better phone for free. Because, like I said, companies are fighting for your attention. Samsung wants your kids' attention. Apple wants your kids' attention. All the apps they have want your kids' attention. So this might be $12 a month, whereas they'll say, we'll give you a brand new Samsung A10e or whatever it might be for free. Here's the thing. This will help your children learn how to use a phone correctly as they grow up and will save them from possibly a lot of hurt. Whereas if you give them that smartphone, it could, if you're not careful with it, could put them in a world of hurt there, okay? So 
I wanted to warn you beforehand that cell phone carriers are going to not, they do not want to sell you this because they don't make money. And if you do get them this, another side tip, do not give them data on it. That's an option as well. You can still get on the internet on these things, which is crazy. It's careful, not all of them, but some of them. If you give it the data plan, don't give it on one of these. And secondly, Pastor already mentioned it, track phone is a great alternative because they have minutes. And uh, if, they, if they go over their time on minutes, then they can't use their phone anymore. But that's my uh, advice on what kind of phone should I get my teenager or child. Number seven, RC, I'll give this one to you. I want my child to have a phone to contact me during sports slash events. Should I get them a smartphone? Um, I guess my, my answer to that would be that that should not be the reason for having a smartphone. Um, it can be a great convenience. We hear, we hear that a lot. The reason yeah. I'm giving my kid a phone is so they can contact me yeah, after of school. Course. Yeah. That's, that's a justification. And th that's a great convenience. Yeah, it is. It's a justification. But that should not be the reason why. Um, that should not be your deciding factor in why you get your child a smartphone. Uh, like we've already mentioned previously, what, what is the purpose of having the smartphone? Why, why do they need it? Uh, is, is this a stage in your life where you feel like they're ready, they're prepared? Uh, because giving them something that they're not prepared for can be extremely dangerous. And uh, so I guess the answer to that in my, in my mind would be, uh, again, that should not be the reason for, but finding that right time for when, yes, that can be a great convenience, but not, should not be the deciding factor on why they get a smartphone. And for those that say, well, I need it so I can, they can contact me from school, every principal, every teacher on any youth trip, every leader has a phone that you can call or they can call you from. So that's not the reason, and that sounds good, and your kids love to give you that, that reason, but that's, I, parents, just think about when you were 13 or 14 with, with the challenges of using technology in wise and godly ways. How would you have done? When I was 13 or 14, I have no idea what kind of stupidity I would have done. And, and, and ways I would have gotten myself in trouble, and dumb things I would have said to classmates, and, and ways I might have been unkind, or just all—who knows? And so just be—most of us as parents, now some of the younger parents, Caleb and them, are the first generation that they actually had some cell phone stuff as, as teenagers and now are parenting. But most of us, uh, we didn't have to deal, walk through this as teenagers, so it's all new. Think about those things. We're going to try to wrap up in the next three or four minutes here. we got two questions left. Uh, what are some technological guidelines you had in your own home? I put that, I put that on there. Is technological, is that a word? Yes. Okay, I put that together, and I'm like, I don't even know if that's a word. So, Pastor, I'll give that one to you. I've already mentioned a few of these. You know, with video games, we limited it greatly, um, basically an hour a week. Uh, in the car, it's, it's very rare when we're in our car, even when our children were very young. We went on a 6,000-mile road trip over 19 days with a two, four, and six—what did we figure out? One, three, and five-year-old? Or two, four, and six-year-old, something like that. That's a um, mistake. It was—no it, matter what, it's, it was, yeah, I look back, mistake. I was like, I was an even idiot. Even with an iPad, I wouldn't but, do that. But we—, we <laughs> On that, we, we did a family music CD that we still sing the songs, and we sang that CD together. We talked. They had things to color and draw. They could watch one DVD a day, and we were driving like 600 miles a day. We were in the car for eight to 10 hours a day, and as two, four, and six. Why? We did not, when we go to restaurants, I can't say never, but it's very rare, even when our children were toddlers, that we were just handing out ba digital babysitters. We want our children to learn discipline, to learn to learn how to sit and eat, learn how to interact and have social time. For us, for us, it was we tried to limit that because it, we felt it could be so dangerous, and it's such an easy convenience when you're having a conversation. Just give the kid. And if I go out to eat with you and you give your kid a phone so they behave, I'll probably say thank you. You don't have to feel guilty. I did that at times with our kids, but it wasn't a regular thing. It wasn't just the automatic. Oh, when we're in the car, we get to be on whatever device we want to be on. So I would just say have a plan, and then for us in our home, 
our computer has always been in the open. We have a computer, some of you have been to our home, um, it's right in the living room where the whole family is, everybody can see the screen, that nobody, when we moved into the house we're in, uh, we walked through with the kids, we were walking through the house, and they had a television in every house in the room, and they had a television in the garage, and they have a television out in the patio, and my kids walked through and they were like, oh man, there's a TV in every room. And I said, and guess what the first thing we're doing before we move into this house is? <laughs> we're moving the TV out of every room. And, and for us, never a television in their room, they, they don't take their phones, I, I can't say ever, but we're, in our house, closed doors are often an indicator of closed hearts. In our house, it is rare that any of our children are in their rooms by themselves unless they're changing with the door closed. The doors are closed so they can change. When we're at home, we want to be at home together. We're a family. We have four bedrooms, but we were home today. They all went home, went to their rooms, closed the door, changed from their church clothes, came back out, never went back into the room until we changed to go back to church. We're not seven separate people living seven separate lives. We're a family. And so for us, we really have no very little technology in our rooms, um, and, and computer is out in the open, no hidden passwords. I think my kids all know my password, they know my wife's password. If we're tr none of us are perfect, but if we're trying to live lives that are pleasing to God, why are we hiding stuff from each other? That's just not what we've done. Very good. Last question, I wanted to leave it on a light note, so I wanted to talk about what are some positive outcomes of technology in your family? I wanted to go first, I didn't want you guys to take mine. Um, so uh, one thing that I love about technology is some of the videos and stuff you can find online. One in particular, parents, if you haven't heard about it before, it's called Superbook. It's an awesome kids program. There's an app for it. There's a website for it. It's one of, honestly, mine and Gwen's favorite things. It's called Superbook. It's Bible stories that are told with awesome cartoons. There's coloring books that go along with it. Really cool things. I love being able to watch those with Gwen sometimes. She has no idea what half of them are about yet. Uh, but every once in a while, we'll turn one on and watch that. I love the ability to, uh, to have music anywhere that we can just drive on the car and there's any song we could want. That's some, Pastor Caleb said, Gwen doesn't know half of what is happening at Superbook. I got home, and Trey told me that in Master Clubs this Wednesday night, Trey was yeah. talking about, they were learning about Theophanies and Christophanies. It was deep. So I don't know what's happening in Children's Club, but I need to go get some doctrine at Master Clubs on Wednesday night. So they were, deep. Pastor Caleb was going deep with the kids on Wednesday evening. But I would say positive outcomes in our family, as the kids have gotten older, Ashley and Titus both have smartphones. Um, we have a, th a family thread that we text literally every day, and we stay in contact with each other, even while we're doing, and send a picture. My wife and I were out to a meal together, and we sent a picture of the view to our kids, and hey, thinking of you. And um, while I was at Trace Flag football game on Friday night, Ashton, Titus, and TJ were at the boys' volleyball game here, and we're texting score. So I would say one of the out positive outcomes of technology in our family is as they've grown, it keeps us connected and, and knowing what's going on in each other's lives. Um, positive outcome of technology uh, is my boys have turned me on to Dude Perfect and uh, Mr. Beast, and so I've enjoyed those, some of our favorite YouTubers. We have a good time watching some stuff at home and laughing together, and, and there's some fun stuff out there that as families we can enjoy and have a good time. And there are probably a few others, music obviously, um, we listen to good Christian music at home and in the car on the way to church and things, um, staying plugged in, Bible apps, uh, our kids. Um, have started, our boys, our older boys started in the last year or so using Logos Bible study software and learning what it is to dig a little deeper into the Bible and learning how to use some of those things. So things that I never did as a high school student, technology has opened the door for them to grow a little more in their spiritual walk, that options that I 
I would have never thought about what's a commentary, Dad, and how do you, how do you study the, the word, that Greek word, and what that means. I, I, would, I didn't care. Um, but, but there's some tools out there now that they, and they're not scholars on it, but it, they, it's opened them up a little bit to trying to learn a little bit more on that stuff. So I would say there's a, a lot of great opportunities, too. Um, my, uh, my wife's family lives in, in Canada, so we're able to stay connected through FaceTime. I think that's a, a good thing. So if you that are grandparents and, and uh, you know, you have grandkids that you're able to stay connected with through FaceTime, I think is really awesome. Um, they love seeing Nana and Papa on uh, FaceTime, and so that's a, that's a great tool. Um, I, I do my, me and my wife, uh, we do our devotionals, uh, our devotions on a uh, Bible app. My wife listens to a Bible podcast um, that goes through her devotions, and so that's something that we, uh, that we enjoy doing. Um, I enjoy good humor, and so uh, I love sending funny videos and GIFs and memes uh, to uh, some of my friends and uh, uh, people that I work with. So, yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> Here's the reality. Again, we can curse the darkness, and there is some darkness in technology, but it's not going away. So we can look at it and say, by the way, technology does not have inherent morality. Your phone does not have inherent morality. Much like money I talked about in that series, I gave the illustration of a brick. A brick can be used to break a window and rob a car or rob a bank or rob a house, break through a, a store and get in. Or a brick can be used to build a church or a school or a house. The brick doesn't have morality. It's all about whose hands it's in. Our technology does not have inherent morality. It's all about whose hands it's in, which is why the heart is so vital. And so we want to train and develop the heart and seek to use technology for good and godliness. Here's what I tell our kids. Sometimes we go to the worst possible option, like, if you get a smartphone, you're going to be a serial killer that, you know, like, here's the reality. There are some really wicked things out there. But, but and I say this, there are two things. I said this before they went on the youth conference trip. I said, sometimes what we do is sinful, and sometimes it's just, it's just s selfish or stupid. It's just a stupid waste of time. It's not necessarily sinful. Although you could say wasting our time maybe is sinful, but it's really just immature. And are we using these things, everything that we have, are we using it in ways that are edifying to us, edifying to others, and beneficial to the work of God? And so not, not just, sometimes it's not the use that it's sinful, it's just we've allowed way too much wasted time. We're just, it's not wrong to watch you know, videos of, Terrell, what's your, what, what did you tell us in Pensacola? Otters? Baby otters? Is that what you're into? Was that it? Baby otter videos? It's nothing sinful about watching baby otter videos, but if Terrell weighs six hours watching a baby otter video, <laughs> baby otter videos, so it's just stupid. Like, we just wasted a bunch of time. And I'm not saying every, not all of those otter videos, you know what I'm saying, in moderation, uh, baby otter videos. But sometimes we get this idea that it's like, oh, it's the worst. No, sometimes we just need to come back and say, we've just allowed too much wasted time and, and move forward in ways that are pleasing to Christ. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.